1: time to finalize our thoughts on nfl week seven and move on to nfl week get lots of stuff still to cover that we didn't fully cover on the week seven recap show here that came out on monday sean but lots of other things then to filter in throughout it we will be talking about your piece that was up your recap piece that comes out each and every monday up on rotoviz.com we'll be picking out some of the key areas that in the first game we discuss about today it is the cleveland browns the baltimore ravens sean you mentioned in this that the the baltimore ravens decided to unlock the kyle pitts game plan in this one where we see that mark andrews has a very very quiet day nothing really happening there does more as a rusher than he does as a receiver that goes to show you how things played out there but is this now forever known as the the kyle pitts game plan (laughs) well it, it almost seems like it has to be doesn't it
2: you have marcus Mariota completing eight passes this week lamar jackson completing nine the baltimore ravens Looked at what's happened to them earlier in the season and said, you know, the way that we can stop blowing these big leads late in games is to simply not have big leads. We can let a team like the Cleveland Browns, it's very overmatched from a talent and quarterback perspective compared to us. We can just let them stay in the game here. Obviously, a lot of running plays. This is probably a one off
1: and how many is a lot sean um at what point do you say a lot is is it under over 43 and when you get to 44 running plays it becomes a lot or or where do we get into the range of a lot of running plays when you have 16 pass attempts well it's only the 68 rushing attempts here combined in this game sean and uh you no, know, when when you're almost doubling the Cleveland Browns, so you have the Baltimore Ravens with 44 rush attempts and, and and they do get 160 yards, so we'll say that to them. But we we do have the Cleveland Browns who are usually very run heavy, just 24 for them, 113 yards and two touchdowns. So I think the effective side of that is probably the Cleveland Browns, but Baltimore do eke out the win here in a, in a, a very heavy <laughs> heavy run dosage.
2: It was crazy, right? And the two kind of main guys for Baltimore were pretty ineffective now gus edwards comes back he has the 66 rushing yards he has the two touchdowns other than that he looked bad and one of those touchdowns is a fourth and inches obviously at the goal line where rashad bateman is tackled on the previous play if you've been excitement about bateman's return and then he goes four for 42 that's going to also cause some disappointment along with the mark andrews line he looked good in this game he gets Deep down the field for an early catch. He makes that play down by the goal. Doesn't quite get in. He does catch four of his five. I think when you consider the environment and what he's coming back from, that has to be encouraging. A little bit of this is obviously due to the fact that Bateman has missed some games and that Mark Andrews couldn't practice much this week because of a nagging knee injury. You're not just going to see this every game, but you're going to see it more or at least a milder version of it more than i think most fantasy managers would prefer. So you get the 16 for 66 for Gus Edwards, you have Kenyon Drake just crashing back down to earth, which you know isn't surprising. Kenyon Drake has not been a good back for quite a long time. The kind of breakout game in week 6 one of those games where if you don't have running back depth, you've got to chase it in waivers. There's just no other way around that. But the expectation is that that's obviously going to be his best game of the season. The interesting thing here was that the back who looked the best was Justice Hill. We say that being somewhat biased in his direction. He was the guy who demonstrated vision. He was the guy who demonstrated burst. Unfortunately, as the Ravens are about to run out the clock, he also fumbles and, Again, when you feel kind of snake-bitten as a team and you've blown these games late and then you have a three-back rotation and one of them makes the play to potentially blow the game, uh, we'll just have to see how that manifests going forward. Is he going to get benched? What's the situation there? Outside of J.K. Dobbins, who obviously now on IR has the cleanup knee operation. I mean, Hill is the guy who gives them a little bit, but if they don't feel like they can count on him. It just, it makes for a pretty gross situation here. Now you talk about the 44 rush attempts. 10 of those are Lamar Jackson. Some of those are design plays that work very, very well. The part that you do get from the Ravens in this game is an ability to pick up these short yardage situations either on third down or when they're stopped, which they were then on fourth down. I mean, Lamar Jackson just gives you that ultimate weapon Where it's going to be very difficult to stop the team completely when they go about it like this. It's just going to keep a lesser opponent in the game. That you look to the other side of the field, and at least the Browns. It makes sense when they run the ball. They probably, in some ways, regret not getting Nick Chubb even more involved. He looked fantastic as he does every week. There's a massive separation now between Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who carried five times for four yards. Now, if you're a Chubb manager, it's pretty frustrating that he did vulture the touchdown late in the game. But this is a Cleveland Browns offense that not particularly explosive. The Ravens were through the line, constantly hitting these guys in the backfield. They get five sacks on Jacoby Brissett, which really undermines what otherwise would be a good line. He average is almost 10 yards per attempt, but I mean, they did not look good in the passing game. All of those stacks, stop drives, get the ball back to the Ravens so that they can then sit on it. You have only four targets to Amari Cooper in this one. He does show more big playability than has been his want of late. He goes for 74 yards on those three catches but especially when David Njoku goes out late in this game he caught all seven of his targets again he's been one of the I don't know league winning but definitely verging on league winning tight ends when you consider how barren the position has been after those top couple of guys when they lose him the passing offense really looks bleak they're still looking for David Bell to emerge he does catch a very important ball late but Discontinues his diet of one, two, or zero target games. The Browns need an injection of life at quarterback Brissett, not really giving them a chance to win games. And at the same time, he's playing a lot better than a handful of other quarterbacks, Colin. We're getting a big run of quarterback changes heading into week eight.
1: Yeah, we're getting a lot of quarterback changes. We'll talk about that in a second. You mentioned, though, Njoku, he obviously is now week-to-week week with his injury. That's unfortunate. In terms of what we would probably describe, him as, I think breakout tight end is fair. He is somebody who has always had the elite athleticism and the potential, but it hasn't ever really come together in a, a stretch with this season in terms of the targets and the receptions and what he has been doing. He's only got in the end zone once, but he has looked very, very consistent. So it's unfortunate that they're going to lose him for that injury. The other part that's a little bit tricky for the... Baltimore Ravens moving forward is I I wonder which is the true Baltimore Ravens team. You mentioned about you know not having big leads, so you're not giving away big leads, but they have scored 23 here, 20 last week, 7 to, uh, 19, sorry, before that, then 20 before that it was 37 and 38 points in those two games. So it is a situation where we've seen them start the season very explosive and putting up those points. We've seen that a little bit quieter over the last few weeks. So we'll see what happens now moving in. Also, Mark Andrews definitely was limited in this game is banged up and and he did not practice on monday there's so something to keep an eye out but he did miss a good bit of the the practice participation last week so hopefully he is able to to get that knee back on track as we move forward here sean you mentioned the quarterback changes that probably brings us to monday night football we'll be bouncing around these games as we go through it but we do have the chicago bears and we've seen this a couple of times sean this season where we have teams who are big underdogs it also happened in the panthers game this week the Bears weren't as big of, as underdogs to the Panthers, but they do head to New England, and New England have been very consistent. They've been playing good defense, and they've been playing pretty well on offense enough to get it done. We've seen what happened a couple of weeks ago when the Detroit Lions went to New England, but in this game, the Chicago Bears went thirty-three to fourteen and looked pretty comfortable doing it. Kind of second half, they they shut the Patriots out and looked pretty good. The interesting note in this one is Bailey Zappi does come in; he goes fourteen to twenty-two, but he starts off really hot. Leads the Patriots to two touchdown drives, one that he tosses the ball. Uh, a really good catch there by Myers, who kind of falls before the line, but makes a heads-up play to, to bounce over. And that, that was a good adjustment on, on his behalf there. But he does then throw the two interceptions, which I, I don't know. The, the air came out of that balloon, Sean, pretty quick. I don't know if we'll see Mac Jones back this week, but he came back from his injury, starts the game, Gets pulled after after six passes and, and one interception. Justin Fields, I thought, looked pretty good. A lot more scrambling. this. Does have a, a rushing touchdown as well. Rushes for 82 yards and 14 attempts. They really and truly ran all over. I joked a moment ago about the running attempts of the Baltimore Ravens, but they do 45 rush attempts, but they do go for 243 yards combined, two touchdowns, 62 yards for David Montgomery and a touchdown. We get 62 yards for Khalil Herbert as well. Khalil Herbert also... Has one reception for 25 yards, which was a catch and run for a touchdown. We see Darnell Mooney get six targets, just the three receptions with 53 yards going his way. They are starting to. I don't know if it's enough to get excited about, but the Bears are starting to show some life on offense after those opening three weeks. It looked like you know everything was was just done and never going to be fixed. The big bright spot here. I guess, for New England is Ramondre Stevenson, who has eight receptions on eight targets, 59 yards from that. He also has 11 rush attempts, 39 yards, and one touchdown. So the quarterback changes with New England. We have quarterback change in Washington. We'll see what happens when Carson Wentz comes back. P.J. Walker starting for the the Panthers. We have a situation where Matt Ryan, Who Sean. You have very much been right on Matt Ryan. We will say that. Uh, last season, it was Matt Ryan versus... Ryan Fitzpatrick I was on the Matt Ryan side but you have been very much on board over the last eight months anyway that Matt Ryan's arm is toast and and the Colts seem to have finally come to that conclusion and they have changed the quarterback so lots of quarterback changes around the NFL at the moment but what's in the future here for the Patriots quarterbacks and then what did you feel about Justin Fields in in this Monday night performance?
2: The Patriots quarterback situation is tricky i think and not just for fantasy managers have bailey Zappi on a number of teams it's fun to have him have mac jones on a number of teams i'm still a pretty big believer there he was probably the most impressive of the rookie quarterbacks last year now that's in part because none of them were stars in the making by any stretch at least the guys who got to play more like trevor lawrence and justin fields they struggled mac jones was relatively successful But with all the changes going into this season, then he gets saddled with the early starts. Bailey Zappi comes in, plays against some soft opponents, looks good. I think that both of these guys have a future at the NFL level. I think the Patriots also believe that. It sounds like their game plan coming into the night was to play both guys, which, I mean, that immediately raises some eyebrows. I think it injects some uncertainty into the game. It potentially sends you down this path where if your defense also struggles, which is the real surprise, I'm sure, for them struggling on defense to contain Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert, that now suddenly you're in a position to lose a game that at the end of the season, you're going to really feel like you needed to have won. If the Patriots are going to accomplish their objectives, you got to get to four and three here, not fall to three and four. It also sounds like they would planned to put Mac Jones back in the game in the second half, continue to kind of rotate a little bit, but then once the score and the situation got to that point, they didn't want to risk him with the injury. Again, we don't know really if that's the case. We don't know if they were encouraged by how Zappy looked at the beginning and felt like even though he then subsequently made some mistakes that he gave them the best chance to be explosive and come back in this game. It's also interesting just how quickly things can change from a fantasy perspective. I'm not tending to have my email open and be kind of sifting through that as the game is on, but I did get a very good dynasty trade offer for Zappy during the game. And by the time the game had ended, it was already withdrawn. So that gives you a (laughs) sense of just the changing fortunes. Yeah. At the quarterback position here. You look on the other side of the ball and Justin Fields was fantastic. He does get sacked four more times, but carries 14 times for 82 yards and a touchdown just looks unbelievably fast. And, and we haven't, we just don't see this outside of a guy like, I think Michael Vick is who Ben likes to compare him to. There are similarities to Lamar Jackson. I think you could argue that Justin Fields looks even faster, probably doesn't have the same intuitiveness. They don't run exactly the same way but both long-limbed fellows who, when they get out there on the edge, can break it for a long, long, long run. His carries, unlike what we saw from Lamar Jackson, a little bit more of this scramble dynamic for the most part. Now, of those 14 carries, there's a mix between design runs and scramble for the big play. But his ability to make decisions a little bit faster, again, those sacks underline that he's still having a little bit of trouble with decision-making and just that When you play a good defense like this, the Bears can't necessarily protect him and hold up for a whole game. But he looked good. Both running backs continue to look good. Herbert, you know, more explosive. Montgomery does get the touchdown. Both of those guys can get pretty involved in the receiving game, even though only two targets to Herbert in this one. Mooney again looked good. And we'd like to see more from Cole Komet. We got a reception from former Patriot Nikhil Harry like to celebrate it anytime Nikhil Harry gets an NFL catch this was a fun game I thought of you
1: once I seen that once I seen that reception I'm like I'm sure Sean has a smile at this moment in time there we go
2: there we go Tyquan Thornton falls back down to earth a little bit disappointing there five targets only the one reception you mentioned the Jacoby Myers touchdown he came into the game with some fantastic peripherals only gets the two targets in this one but again illustrated why I think he's one of the Best stories from 2022 as he continues to build on his breakout. The catch, first in and of itself, spectacular, and then the presence of mind to leap forward. It was cool that he actually did get his knees up off the ground. Sometimes you see that play from the receivers and they're barely tagged too early, or the officials miss the play. And then there's all this question of, you know, do we challenge the situation we seem to run into with the Bengals every week? But a fantastic touchdown there. In its own way, I think this game had some encouraging elements for both teams. I think the Patriots and the Bears actually both going to be above average squads in the second half of the season. You just hope that Justin Fields and the Bears can build on this one.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: And Sean, it's going to be rapid fire time here. We're going to go through some games. I'm just going to get your thoughts on some of the star performances or maybe some of the areas that we're concerned about based on how games worked out this past weekend. We touched on Josh Jacobs last week. He continues to be phenomenal. I didn't see this coming, and I think that's the tagline I've used each and every time. He goes 20 for 143 and three touchdowns in a game where they win 38-20 against the Houston Texans. He, For me, he's one of the biggest surprises off This season so far what's your thoughts on on josh jacobs at this particular point we also have a bounce back from Devontae adams eight for 95 but the big the big question i have for you is josh jacobs and i don't know you can't acquire him i don't think because he's doing too good but i didn't see this coming
2: well i mean josh jacobs is a good player he finished last season extremely well the question with him was always going to be what's his status with the new staff they definitely had wanted to get some of these other guys that they brought in and they drafted some time and it seemed like they wanted to make that transition it's nice to see that unlike in some of these other situations that the coaching staff was willing to watch him and say look maybe we got our original evaluation wrong and now we want to give a guy a chance who's a very good player there's no reason to force this move to somebody else Now, he also benefits in this game from playing the Houston Texans, who are an absolute train wreck. And so you do need to slaughter that particular defense. You look at Jacobs, and he has the third worst schedule in the fantasy playoffs. So I think he's a pretty good player to sell. The problem is that even with how good he's been this year, he's been one of the absolute best. I think that the disappointment that people are still kind of feeling from his first several years and the name there, maybe that name tag just makes it more difficult to get what you probably should. We talk about selling because of schedule. When you sell because of schedule, it's still important to get a very, very good package. You're not just going to give a guy away because maybe he's got to face some good teams in the fantasy playoffs. If you're going to make that move, you want it to be something that really benefits you creates more upside. So as you reach out for those trades If you're if the opposing manager if the person you're working with on that deal isn't willing to give you a package that represents what he's been doing then you kind of have to continue to play him. There are a few more good matchups here. I think it's going to be difficult for him to maintain anywhere close to this type of scoring. But I mean, this is what you want to see from a guy someone who comes out not worried about some of the things around him, not worried about Zamir White being there, not worried that. You know the team declines. your option goes out. He's earning himself. I mean, it's he's a running back, and he's so he's not going to be some massive contract, but he's earning himself a good situation, a lot of money for next year. This is a cool story,
1: yeah, really good story. based on where he came from as well, you know, a lot of his background was shared in the pre-draft process and when he was drafted. So really good story. has looked just I'm just blown away by how how good though he has put it all together through this stretch of the season so far. The Colts and the Titans, I mentioned the situation of quarterback Matt Ryan being replaced there. Tennessee wins 19-10, to 10, the game that really nothing happened. It felt like watching the game. There wasn't a huge amount to get excited about. We had the pick six or the fumble six for Matt Ryan, and then the, the Titans just kind of crushed it out from there with Derrick Henry having 128 yards rushing from his side. Paris Campbell, probably the big story from the Colts, 10 for 70 and 1 for him on 12 targets, but... The quarterback change, Sean, is the part that I want to touch on here. So we get a different quarterback, and then it's a situation where I don't think it can get much worse than what Matt Ryan was doing so far. He did have a big game in week six, but I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors around what actually happened in that contest. But Jonathan Taylor, 10 for 58 in this. Any concerns with Jonathan Taylor moving forward based on how this Colts offense has been moving through seven weeks of the season?
2: Yes and no, you had mentioned earlier in the show that I was right on Matt Ryan. The issue here is whether or not that's going to play out in a way that we capitalized appropriately on in fantasy. Michael Pittman was someone that we encourage people not necessarily to completely fade, but to be aware on price, try and get him in those handful of drafts where he does slide a little bit. He still had a, a fine season overall, but this game right here, illustrates a lot of the concerns he goes six for 58 that's uh, certainly not the only wide receiver by any stretch who's had some down games but when you're drafting someone at the 2-3 turn you do want that to be sort of his worst game of the season and this is setting up to where he's going to probably have a number of games that are like this if you're a Paris Campbell fan and there was a lot of talk about Campbell during the preseason and we drafted him on some teams kind of in those late rounds. This would be a a great story if you have him on best ball, then a 10-70 in one game right here is definitely going to help you for this week. The problem is that the Colts have been getting down and then the coaching staff trusts Matt Ryan to throw the ball 44 times. As you mentioned, they only use Jonathan Taylor 10. From a game script perspective, you can argue that that is okay, especially when you also got Taylor eight targets. So he has 18 opportunities in this game. It's not like Jonathan Taylor is... And they, they you, are so, they
1: are the opportunities you want because we're getting the targets rather than just running into the brick wall. but um I don't think that them I don't think if targets is going to be what he gets on a weekly basis is the concern.
2: Well, probably not. And so in all likelihood, the move to the young quarterback gets you a more conservative game plan. Taylor, you know, still breaking enough big plays that like in this one, he averages almost six yards per carry but the defense more and more is going to be able to focus just on him, which they're already doing. And you know, then you're into a dynamic where it just seems like it's going to limit everybody. Maybe it gives the Colts a little bit better chance to win. There's always the possibility that you have to consider that he could come out and play in a way that's not that dissimilar to what Bailey Zappi is doing. And then suddenly everything looks fine Jonathan Taylor managers are excited Michael Pittman managers maybe not excited but feel like there's at least some floor and you get the occasional upside maybe he gets the ball underneath to Paris Campbell but a lot of these underneath plays to Campbell and Taylor probably going to be a little bit more difficult for that young quarterback to execute now we expect the younger quarterbacks and the less experienced quarterbacks to not be able to attack vertically as much but Basically, what it comes down to in many cases, and the stats will back this up, is that you get a lot of Zach Wilson. And so the change from Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger, you basically have Joe Flacco, but a really weak arm version of him, down to Zach Wilson, which, (laughs) as we've watched for the Jets... That just basically makes everybody on your offense unplayable, except for perhaps the running back, if that bat can break off 60-yard touchdown runs. Jonathan Taylor hasn't had the big play this year. We still expect him to have some of those because of his size, speed, combination, that long speed that we've witnessed from guys like Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. Jonathan Taylor was breaking off those plays last year. He will do that. Again, those plays are going to be inconsistent. You can't count on them on a weekly basis. This is a pretty bleak situation here for the Colts. And it's also frustrating for people who have some enthusiasm for Alec Pierce, as you should. But Pierce, you know, he only gets the four targets in this one, despite the fact that Ryan throws 44 times. It's going to be difficult for all of those guys. But again, we're we're rooting for the players. We're rooting for the story. You know, if this quarterback change launches the Colts, everybody's going to be excited about that because I don't think there's anybody out there who really wanted another full season of... Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has had a fantastic career playing there in the dome with Julio Jones and a little bit with Calvin Ridley. He was able to shepherd those offenses to some pretty big scores. Not a guy at this point in his career who probably should be an NFL starter. I think a lot of NFL teams saw this coming. The Atlanta Falcons, despite shifting to a quarterback where their preference is just to run the ball and plan for, I don't know, maybe a season in the 2030s, they yet were like Matt Ryan won't work for us. That's, that's a pretty bad sign.
1: The 2030s, that's the first time I've heard 2030 actually referenced in anything. So that's uh I'll start to think more about the future, Sean, as you go a decade in advance to see where Matt Ryan ends up. But the the Colts have really mismanaged. Obviously, they couldn't really plan, I don't think, for Andrew Luck retiring, but since that it has been a lot of money to a lot of quarterbacks who have moved on very quickly we had obviously Jacoby Brissett, who we talked about earlier was there then we had Philip Rivers then they get Carson Wentz they move Carson Wentz then they get Matt Ryan we're seven games into the season we're moving on from Matt Ryan it just seems to be a, a little bit of a mess and that shows trying to replace you know a franchise quarterback is is a very difficult path to follow Sean a franchise quarterback who really struggled this week we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers we're talking about Tom Brady this time uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just put up the three points against the Carolina Panthers. They put up 21. P.J. Walker gets the win. I didn't think we'd be talking about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers losing to Tyler Heineken and P.J. Walker, both former XFL quarterbacks this week. So it's an interesting timeline that we're living in. We'll see what happens. But, Sean, the big takeaway is pretty much the majority of the Buccaneers – struggled a little bit in this game mike evans does have nine for 96 he starts off this game with a really bad drop for a walk-in deep deep touchdown which then set the tone obviously for the rest of the day for the buccaneers but dj moore has uh, a really positive game from him 10 targets seven receptions 69 yards and a touchdown going his way we also had Devo- De- uh, dante foreman and chuba hubbard both having pretty nice days 118 yards rushing for foreman 63 yards and a touchdown for for hubbard but i i think both of those guys like are going to be in and out consi- like inconsistent there will be some big games i think along the way for both of those guys both players that we like in certain ways but dj Moore, sean is the the key takeaway from this game so we have pj walker two touchdowns 177 yards but for more to get those seven receptions 69 yards and a touchdown i think is a, a major stepping stone can we Hope that if PJ Walker is in there for a couple more games, that this can be sustained. Because at the moment, there is no real other targets available outside of DJ Moore in this this offense. We get we move on Christian McCaffrey, move on Robbie Anderson. It has to be DJ Moore time.
2: Well, does it, I? We like Tommy Tremble. He scores a touchdown in this game. I didn't they want have... to.
1: I didn't want to steal your thunder, so I was letting you, letting you give the Tommy Tremble <laughs> stuff. Really nice, twenty nine yard touchdown.
2: They get an eight yard completion to Leviska Chenault.
1: I mean, let's go. Those 20th round baseball shares of Levisky Chenault are looking great with that one for eight.
2: <laughs> with the one for eight. So, yeah, I mean, DJ Moore, obviously the guy that the Panthers have here. It's cool to see PJ Walker get to actually play a little bit after what they did to him in his first start. Some of these teams, I, I don't understand why you're bothering to limit your quarterback when your team is more or less trying to lose all the games when you're tearing everything down. Let the guys go out there and have some fun. PJ Walker has flashed at times at the NFL level. You mentioned some of these other formats that he's played in and earned this opportunity. You've got a guy with a live arm and some ability to move around back there in the pocket. Go ahead and take your chances. See what you got there. If you're just going to run the ball and throw the ball horizontally at the line of scrimmage, which is what they did the previous week, then you're just going to embarrass yourselves and not, Learn anything if there's anything there to be learned, there probably isn't right. You need a whole new cast of characters for this Carolina Panthers team, but at least make some attempt to develop your guys. We wrote in the Zero RB playbook last week that Chuba Hubbard, Deontay Foreman, two of our favorite, sort of, I don't know, they're really below the radar. People are familiar with these guys and their stories, but. Foreman came into league with a 98th percentile freak score. He's a guy who has a size-speed combination that few backs in the NFL actually have. Obviously went through a lot of different trials and tribulations early on in his NFL career. More or less ended up being a bust, but then has made some changes and has been able to rectify things to where, I mean, he's probably a legitimate NFL running back. He breaks off several long runs in this one. Chuba Hubbard, a, a former a uh, sprint athlete who has a 2000 yard season as a sophomore in college, these guys can play a little bit. And I, I, mean, you probably just saw the best game of the season from both of them, but when you lose Christian McCaffrey and your team is terrible, but you have two backs with this kind of talent waiting in the wings. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens don't have two players like this on their roster. So I, that part of it is pretty fun on the flip side. We get some Rashad White carries as Leonard Fournette struggles badly. Fournette, more a back that you can use when things are going well as opposed to when things are going poorly. Chris Godwin, 13 targets for 43 yards. They've got to get him involved a little bit more down the field if they want the overall value of what he brings to the table. To come in here, you think about when he was the overall wide receiver too. It was not a bunch of wide receiver screens and passes immediately across the line of scrimmage. 28 targets for Evans and Godwin in this one. And they go for only 139 yards. I think if you look at the game script here and you were following along on the bottom line, as Sunday morning or at non-West Coast time zones, Sunday afternoon progressed, it was pretty hard to figure out what could possibly be happening in this particular Game, you're thinking, well, at the very least, we're going to get a huge target volume from these two players. And you do. They combine for 28 targets, but still fairly limited fantasy points. One of the biggest disappointments, I think that they'll still come out of it, but 2022 offering some unique hurdles. And you almost feel like some of the veteran quarterbacks are struggling with adjustments that the defenses are forcing them to make and that their coaching staffs are asking them to make feel like they know what to do they've been here before they want to play it the way they've played it for the last 20 years and for some of these guys it's it's literally 20 years or more we've got to have some of these hall of fame veterans make adjustments just like anybody else if they're going to go on and have the type of season within this defensive environment within this scoring environment You've got to make changes if you want to succeed. We've watched now how the Bills and the Chiefs had those struggles in the middle of 2021 and are back to lighting the world on fire. It's easy to say, I mean, most teams don't have those quarterbacks and don't have that much talent, but especially when you watch the Chiefs this last week against the San Francisco 49ers, it's not necessarily the talent they have outside of Patrick Mahomes that's getting the job done. It's game plan and then Mahomes' willingness and ability to execute that as opposed to fighting back on everything and trying to do it his way the second half of the season is going to be more explosive we're already seeing a lot of those changes but the fact that veteran qbs are struggling like the packers like the buccaneers you're going to see games from them later in the season that are maybe a little more similar to what the arizona cardinals came out and did on thursday night these teams aren't going to quit just like the cardinals didn't quit maybe they won't have too many 42 point games but Obviously, that was backed up by a couple of pick sixes. But you're going to see these teams go out and score some points. The second half of the season is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, hopefully well, hopefully, we get more points uh, over the the second half. We have seen the points deduction. We've talked about that in a few different episodes here. Not deduction, but reduction, I guess, and overall scoring. One other note, Sean, uh, just on the the Buccaneers, uh, Cade Auden, who was drafted this year in the fourth round, is not somebody who I was crazy excited about coming in, but he is starting to get used more and more and is becoming – main tight end on that roster and we've seen cameron break be out for a little bit so maybe somebody to try and get on to to some rosters as a stash the final game sean we're going to touch on is the miami dolphins against the pittsburgh steelers that was 16 to 10 no points at all in the second half exactly what you want to watch when you're waiting you know for sunday night football so the big takeaway sean in this game there's only one player that i think that sean well there's a couple players sean want to talk about but raheem Mostert dominated he gets 20 touches here 16 for 79 also gets 30 yards through the air on four receptions and a touchdown he has we've talked about him taking over the backfield getting more carries this backfield is now 100% Raheem Mostert's moving forward I don't know if
2: it's going to be 100% we have the 16-7 split in this one he looks good 100%
1: Sean it's the only option
2: I mean, Chase Edmonds struggles in addition to only averaging 2.4 yards per attempt. He also fails to catch either of his targets, one of which is a pretty bad drop. If most are going to get some games here where he go with five targets, four receptions, I mean, this actually ties his career high in receptions. He did have a game back in 2020 where he cut four passes for 90 plus yards But with the game-breaking ability, any of those plays could be the one that really help you. Obviously, even if you take the touchdown away it's seven points in the receiving game, you add that on to what he's likely to do as a runner many weeks, not all weeks, then you've got yourself a very solid middle-of-the-road RB2. He's going to have a handful of RB1 games if he can stay healthy. You want to say, especially in an offense that's explosive, but the second half was extremely depressing after they came out and looked like they might put up 40, right? They looked so good in that first quarter where they score the 13 points. Things really melt down from there. Colin, this was a nice one to see, especially after the Brees Hall injury. We talk a lot and drafted a lot of underdog teams in the offseason. In terms of my personal exposures, the three highest running backs were Brees Hall. Eno Benjamin, Raheem Mostert. You get the two big games from Benjamin and Mostert. (laughs) Maybe that can help us deal a little bit with the Brees Hall injury there. Conor O'Driscoll putting out really cool Battle Royale content every week. That's the underdog. One of the underdog weekly drafts. Make sure you check those out and use the coupon code ROTOVIS to get a 100% deposit match. Don't seem like a good time to throw that in since we were talking a little bit underdog exposure. It's tough to lose all of those Hall shares. I am pretty excited about a lot of the rest of the players. Jalen Waddell, four for 88. He looked explosive. But when you see all of those targets from Tyreek Hill, 13 only catches seven, but goes for 72 yards. Tyreek Hill right there in the mix with Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase to finish as the overall wide receiver, one this year, especially if he can stay healthy. He's had a lot of little nicks at the beginning. On the Steelers side, Pat Fryermuth continues to emerge as probably the next guy. We talked earlier in the show about Mark Andrews. Fryermuth, really the opposite side of the spectrum from a one week perspective. Surprisingly, they got some trades that were fairly balanced with Fryermuth and Andrews over the past week that shows how quickly things can shift when you have a pretty decent gap in the age of the players. And when you have a pretty large perceived gap in how they may play it going forward, there's no question that what's happening in Atlanta is going to scare fantasy managers off of any skill players who could fit into that same category. And I wrote up the, Ravens using the NFL pace tool that we have on the site. Really cool information there. You can split those out and break down the pace, the pass run, the seconds to snap, all of those different elements in a bunch of different game contexts. So if you're wondering how a team plays in this environment versus that environment, you can find that out. You can go back and look at some previous seasons. You can see just how run heavy the Ravens were from 2018 to 2020, what that meant for Mark Andrews, a guy who has had remarkably stable results full season in a handful of key metrics and his scoring levels dramatically different depending on how the Ravens play offense. Well, you bring that into a different game situation here and you see move drawing the nine targets going eight for 75. Really at this point, the only thing that's going to keep Pat Fryermouth from eventually being, you know, probably not Travis Kelsey because nobody or almost no one is going to get to that level, especially not consistently. But if you talk about a guy who potentially could fit into that Darren Waller, George Kittle, Mark Andrews group, and maybe not the peak seasons even from those guys, but the more normal seasons that they produce, you think about the fact that there have been injuries and underperformance and then age for those other tight ends. And because Travis Kelsey has played for so long at such a high level it's tempting to apply his trajectory to some of these other guys and yet that's not the way it works right especially at superstars you do have some of those players play well into their 30s most nfl players are still going to fade as they go into their late 20s and then have just so much risk from an injury perspective the young guys when they get injured they come back their teams give them more and more chances to show they can still do it the veterans teams are going to move away from for the same reason that fantasy managers move away from them so you have all th- these different types of risk fryer move a player who probably has the best chance of becoming the next guy he's not obviously a buy low in some ways he's a buy high but he's a buy high on the idea that he's going to continue to go higher i think the only thing that can keep him down would be concussions
1: the other player who i thought looked really good in this as well george Pickens, six for 61 on six targets he also gets a touchdown he's continuing to develop as the season goes along so we'll see how they do as the remainder of the season progresses it's, it's exciting to see some of these young rookies you know starting to progress we had some flashes earlier in the season that have calmed down maybe like garrett wilson we hope that really in, uh, <laughs> increases back to what it was you know early in the season in the second half but it's interesting sean when you're looking you know on tuesday or monday through some of these best ball rosters and to see how the the land is starting to settle with bye weeks coming in with injuries with some of the changes as well at the quarterback position like i mentioned there's going to be some teams that maybe were two quarterback bills that had a matt ryan in there that had a mac jones that you know now maybe a Carson wentz who these weeks are being missed even with two and how positive his start of the season was he didn't miss those weeks after the concussion the quarterback position has been a little bit disjointed outside of these outside of those truly top tier elite options And that has made it very interesting to see how it progresses. There's some people I was talking to uh, in direct messages over the last couple of days talking about how some of the teams look and I was saying that there is going to be some of these teams that are sitting in fourth or fifth that are in a lot better position than some of the teams in first and second and they're going to start to fall down based on how the rest of the season goes on with the draft structures that we implemented in the preseason. So it's going to be interesting to see that develop now over the next five or six weeks and then we make that put push down the home stretch but sean that is the second episode of the week if you haven't checked out the full recap show we did we obviously covered some of the games here we covered a lot on the instant recap show that came out on monday go and check that out that was actually our 500th edition of road overtime so that was a pretty fun one to record with sean i think we covered a lot of good stuff in it so if you're only checking out today's so you haven't checked out the first one, we talked about all the other games and that one so have a listen check it out if you are signing up to Rotoviz and you want to get yourself an NFL pass, you can get yourself a 10% discount using the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. gets you 10% off, gets you access to all of the tools, all of the content. Sean mentioned some of the tools earlier in the show. We mentioned about the Baltimore Ravens being covered in that article and them going with the Kyle Pitts route. Uh, w- w- there is other things covered like Brees Hall's injury and a lot more covered. So check that out up on Rotoviz.com. My name is Colin Kelly. We will be back on Friday with the Friday edition. You will get that one though on Thursday if you are subscribed on the Road of His Overtime podcast feed. But until we are back with that show, you can follow me on Twitter if you do so wish at Overtime Ireland. You can check out all of Sean's work up on rodoviz.com. And until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on roto Radio. Please rate and review the roto Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at roto Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to roto with a discount through the roto Radio homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?